Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Verses will be up on the screen for you. We're talking about our great King Jesus. How many of you love Jesus? John began to, he wrote these words. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, speaking of Jesus, it says, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything that was made. Another place in scripture says, Jesus holds everything together with the power of his word. Verse four, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. That is good news. Verse nine, jump down there. It says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. That's a key word tonight, receive. Part of this whole kingdom experience is learning how to receive what's been freely given to us. And that's sometimes difficult when you look at your past resume and you sometimes feel like you don't deserve what is being offered, but aren't you glad even when we come with all of our excuses and all of our faults, he just ignores those and says, here, I'm full of mercy. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So although we were once estranged, when you believe or when you receive Jesus, when you receive and believe in his name, you get a right. You get a legal right, you become And now you have the right to gain access as a child of God. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but who've been born of God. And so in John chapter three, Jesus has this encounter with Nicodemus and Nicodemus, he says, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. And we're in a season where God wants to give us high definition viewing of the kingdom. He wants to give us new lenses, new eyesight, a new ability to hear. I believe as we enter into this Easter season, as we celebrate the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he wants to give us some new revelation. He wants to encounter us in mighty ways. Then in verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, Look at this, 
full. Full of what? Grace and truth. That word full in the Greek actually means overflow. If you actually understand what it means to be full, something can't be full unless it's, you can't measure fullness until it starts overflowing. Right? It's not really full till it's actually brimming over. And here's what's amazing about Jesus. I wanted to start here because tonight we're gonna look at an account in John chapter eight of a woman who was publicly shamed. And it's important for us to know that Jesus doesn't have a balance between grace and truth. He's full of both. And so when you bump into Jesus, let, let's say, let's say it's, it's like a, a, a cup or a, a bucket and his buckets are full which means they're just waiting for someone to bump into it so it overflows. And so tonight I'm hoping we bump into Jesus and what he's full of, it's on us. Can we do that? Can we agree for that tonight? And so Lord, that's our simple prayer, that, that what's overflowing from you would get all over us. And as we surrender to grace and truth, you would radically transform us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go over to John chapter, chapter 8. You guys good tonight? Did you bring your courage, your faith? We're going to start in verse 3. This is one of the, the, this is kind of a crazy passage because it's, if you understand what's going on here, it's just kind of disgusting of, of how we can sometimes treat other humans in their weakness. And, and Jesus came as the king, bringing a kingdom to do a couple things. One of, it was, one of the main things was to, to represent who the Father actually is. And the scribe and the Pharisee, it says here that the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And they're at the temple so you can imagine how humiliating this must be for this, this woman. And they drag her in front of Jesus. Now remember, Jesus is who? He is the Word. That's why we read John, because he was there. He was creator at the beginning, right? He is the author of the law. And so the scribe and the Pharisee are coming to the living Word with some bad revelation. They're reading the word incorrectly. They're reading it through a lens of truth, but it's a misapplied truth in the context of who Jesus is in this moment. Does that make sense? And so, and so they, they drag her in front of him, and they say to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? It's a trick question because the Romans didn't allow the Jews to put anybody to death according to the Jewish law. And so they're trying to trick Jesus into stumbling in his, his answer here. Jesus never really bites on the play fake. Have you noticed that? He, he, he keeps his equilibrium. He keeps his composure. In verse 6, the... This they said to test him that they might have some charge 
to bring against him. And here's what I'm going to say up front tonight. Scribes and Pharisees always lead with truth. A legalistic mind always leads with truth. Okay? All of us have a wiring inside of us that that is righteous-oriented, justice-oriented, truth-oriented. And I've discovered in marriage and in parenting or just in friendship, if I lead with truth... Okay, here, just put it on the screen. Truth not grafted to grace is judgment. So truth without grace just manifests in daily life like judgment. You, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's a critical spirit. You lead with a critical spirit. You, you, you don't, we don't even realize sometimes we're under that pessimistic spirit. We lead with this truth, and it manifests as judgment. A, a judgment is simply this. Uh, when you look up the definition, it means to, through the course of observation, you form an opinion. That's all judgment means. And so we look usually at the fruit of people's lives, and we make snap judgments because we know the truth. These guys all know the truth. The truth is non-emotional. The law is not meant to give you life. It's only meant to reveal where you're not. The law was given as a gift to be a tutor to show you where you miss the mark. So truth is good. Everybody say truth is good. We don't abandon the truth, but truth misapplied becomes judgmental. And so weaknesses become something to exploit, not something to cover. How many of you have ever revealed weaknesses and they got used against you? Oh no. Because that person, you, you, you in a moment of vulnerability, you reveal a weakness and that person led with truth and dinged you. And, and instead of ministering or covering your, your situation, they actually think it's proper to reveal truth. I'm just going to speak the truth in love. You ever heard that? It's like the guy that says, I don't mean to offend you, but I'm going to offend you. No disrespect, but I'm going to disrespect you right now. I don't mean any harm. You know, when you repent, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later. She is brought in front of the way, Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. They're placing her in front of truth, absolute truth. And they place her in front of the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is meant to expose. And if you understand it correctly and you use it correctly, it becomes a wonderful kingdom asset. John 8, 31, didn't Jesus say to his, if you're my disciples, you'll abide in my word, and you'll what? You'll know the truth, and the truth will do what? 
set you free. Not just truth, but experiencing the truth. Experiential truth brings transformation. How many of you want freedom? It comes from engaging Jesus who is the way and the truth, abiding in his word. See, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of Christ. If you want to have your hearing activated, you got to get, you got to read and study and confess and pray the word. The word wakes up your hearing, and when your hearing wakes up, faith can build. So you don't get in the word because it's legalism, and you, you know, you get in the word because it says in Hebrews 4, it's living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It does a work that no psychiatrist or psychologist or doctor can do. It says it cuts all the way to joint and marrow. It goes to between spirit and soul, and it actually reveals the thoughts and intentions of your heart. That's amazing. So you would want to run to the word because it does something nobody else on the planet can do. It gets to your intentions, and if you can work on your intentions, you can be transformed. Most of our issues, her issue, is she just hasn't encountered truth and grace in the right context, and so she is reflecting God's image poorly. That's where most of our issues come from in life. We don't reflect God's image very well. Yeah? And so what Jesus is fixing to do, he's fixing to change her image. He's he's gonna change her radically at her level of intention. We don't know why she ended up in adultery. I always ask this question, where's the dude? He's probably there with, with standing there going, yeah. Jesus is doing so many things in this passage. He's flipping the social order. He's reconstructing the people's understanding of who God the Father is. And Jesus always said, man, I come for one purpose, and that's to represent, reflect the image of my father so I can see the children that have been estranged reconciled with their father. That's why we're put on this planet, is to receive grace and truth and then hopefully reflect it in such a way that people that are all around you, they bump into you, you're now full of grace and truth. All they gotta do is bump into you and what's overflowing in your life just spills out on them. I try to make this really simple. Just get as full as you can and bump into people. You go to the grocery store, you just bump in. Come on now. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so let's move on into verse, uh, last latter part of verse six. It says, Jesus bent down and he wrote with his finger on the ground. I don't want to spend any time speculating on what he's writing. Nobody knows. Well, was he writing the Ten Commandments? And as they continued to ask him, he stood up. So he's down here just going, yeah, okay. If I'm him, I'm just drawing stick people. (laughs) 
That's just me. And he says, uh, you know, when Jesus stands up, remember when they were coming to arrest him? And he stood up, and all the soldiers bowed down. The, the, the living word stands up and goes, hey, let him who is without sin among you be the first one to throw a stone at her. And at once more, he just bent down and began to draw stick figures on the ground. And when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. My guess is the woman's probably either on the ground or she's standing there, head down. See, shame has this power. Shame is different than guilt. Guilt is healthy. Guilt is a gift from God because it reveals, oh no, I'm out of alignment. I need to get back into relational alignment. Adam and Eve, when they felt naked and ashamed, they hid themselves and and what the enemy was trying to do was create shame. He was trying to create something with their image. Shame affects your image. Shame comes against you as a person. It starts labeling you. It condemns you. Guilt doesn't do that. Guilt just says, with truth, it says, exposes what you missed the mark on and goes, here, now draw near. Shame goes, no, you know better. You shouldn't have done this, so why don't you go hide out for a little while? Shame always makes you hide and feel like you got to cover up. Guilt actually exposes things, helps you be naked but unashamed. So we got to learn as Christians to learn how to partner with guilt in a healthy way and not let it turn into shame. The truth is you need to sense guilt. If you sin against others, you need to know the full sting of that sin so you can correct it. And we're sometimes so fragile, we don't want to hear how it's affected others, but you got to start hearing how your sin affects others so you can flee to grace and be transformed because if all you have is the truth, it just feels like judgment and you start casting stones at yourself. But King Jesus is full of it. He's, he's full of grace and truth. Which means the Father's full of grace and truth. Keep going in the scriptures. It says Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And she was standing. It's fun when you read the scriptures and you're like, oh, yeah, she actually was standing up. Bet it's hard to lift her head. How, can, can you just think about how humiliating this experience is? Like the enemy's bringing his best shot. I always love when the enemy brings a haymaker shot because I know what's fixing to happen. The bigger the opposition, the more God manifests his power. How many of you going through some stuff right now? Good. I praise God for your struggles. Because if you will know how to 
operate correctly in the midst of the storm, you start getting keys for how to unlock other doors. But when you run from the storm, you miss the advantage of having keys. When you run from a storm, you put, tuck the key away. And you don't even get a chance to go through the door. You just leave it. What if behind the storm is a door? What if it's an access? What if it's access to the age to come? What if the prophetic words spoken over this house that this year we're not going to manage brokenness, but we're going to walk in wholeness? What if behind even the stuff that you feel broken in, what if behind that veil is the door to your wholeness? Would you stay there and maybe just keep knocking? And even though you don't get an answer, keep asking, keep seeking. That fire that we talked about earlier is just an attempt to get you to back away. Don't back away from your breakthrough. Can you guys just smile? Just smile. Sometimes you just got to smile. This thing you're in isn't going to kill you. It's not. It's going to push you right to the brink where you feel like you're dying. But it ain't going to kill you. And here's the crazy thing. Even if it does, it's gain to you. So it's like, okay, go ahead and kill me. Now my wife and my kids are going to be highly disappointed. We'll deal with that in the age to come. Death has lost its sting for us. Addiction certainly can't hold us. Your past divorce can't keep you held. Abortions can't keep you held. Abuse can't keep you stuck. Our King Jesus is full of it. He's full of grace and truth. See, Jesus always led with grace. And that's what he's doing here. He's like, woman, where are they? She peeks her head up a little bit and she starts looking around. <laughs> they're, no, they're not here. He's like, has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. He's leveling the playing field. They know the word just like Jesus does. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Not even one is righteous. He's going to her right now. Not only can you be restored to me, you can be restored back to community. Because sin, they're just like you. You're just like them. He's teaching her something. That her sin, although grievous and although pretty heavy and although pretty destructive to a relationship with God, isn't the thing that keeps her out of that relationship with God. 
That's the true understanding of grace. It's the unmerited favor of God. What he's doing is saying, I accept you just like you are. You're an adulteress. I accept you. Some of you don't respond to moments with God because you still feel like he hasn't accepted the true you, and so you got to dress yourself up. What if he accepts you tonight just like you are? Why wouldn't you serve a God like that? You've heard the statement, right? He loves you just like you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay like you are. That's the truth, too. Because he knows your failure to reflect his image is causing you problems. So he wants you to first encounter grace, complete, full, and utter acceptance, so you can hear the truth through the right lens or see it through the right lens, hear it through the right ear. Does this stage creak like this for other preachers? I feel like there's a, I don't really hear it when Pastor Stovall walks on the, sure is creaking loud tonight. <laughs> we got to settle this tonight. God accepts you as you are. He accepts the true you, not the fake you. but there's some aspects of the true you he's not okay with. Fair? You know it too. You just don't like somebody telling you. Because grace, here's another statement, put it up on the screen, grace when it's not attached to truth is license. It becomes a license to keep sinning. Is this fair enough? It's not a balance. We gotta have both tanks filled at all times. Because here's what he says to her. Neither do I condemn you. What does he say next? Go and don't sin anymore. That's called truth. <laughs> Stay away from this part of the stage. I'm just gonna sit down. You track in? He says, knock it off. The true you is not really the true you. Let me show you who the true you is. Let's get back to original intent. Walk with me. Follow me. I'm going to show you who you are. Best thing you can do for your children when they manifest weakness in the form of sin or any other human on the planet, is to lead with grace and pull out of them who they actually are. Just start speaking. Man, that's not you. What you're reflecting right now, that's not you. I know the real you. See, we got to remind people of the real them in the light of Jesus, and then you can bring that truth. Truth makes sense when you know you're accepted. Truth is confusing when you don't know you're accepted. Right. 
Bless you. Man, I hate sneezing on a plane. This is, I, I, this is what I do all the time. If ever I got to sneeze, I just pull my shirt up because I know it's going to be a level five disaster because when I sneeze, it's violence. It's like, Ooh! and everything in my sinuses comes out. So I just figure it's better to do this. We'll worry about the cleanup later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's the statement I want to put on this. If you get this, grace empowers what truth commands. In the kingdom of heaven, grace is a commodity of, commodity of empowerment, not just favor. It's an empowerment. What truth commands you to do, grace becomes the catalyst and the power to do it. When you know you're fully accepted as the real you, you take the steps to change the you. Because the one you serve accepts you, why would you want to stay the same? You've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You can't stay. You can try to stay normal all you want. You can try. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to worship. But you're still predestined to be conformed to the image of God. You're becoming like Jesus. Even in your worst day, there's still more of God in you than you in you. What if we just got this? Every day you wake up, God, I don't know how it is, but there's more of you and me than me and you, so I'm just gonna lean into that. I'm gonna look into the word of God. I'm hoping it's gonna reflect back to me who you are, and the more I gaze into the face of grace, because that's what happened. She started looking into the face of grace. And when you gaze into the face of grace, 2 Corinthians 8, uh, 3.18 says, you get transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. Meaning you don't start off as dirt, you start off, start off as glory. He takes you from strength to strength, not weakness to strength. When you're in Christ, you start at strong. You start at glory. We have to start living from grace, not trying to get it. We gotta start living from truth, not trying to receive it. Okay. I feel like this is a pretty good word. Oh, I'm serious. I, I, I'm. You know, here's a key to transformation. Receiving and reflecting. What if you started receiving grace and truth and started to reflect grace and truth? See, people are sometimes missing transformation because they're content on receiving and they don't reflect. There's something that happens when you start reflecting what you received. Jesus said you lose what you try to keep, so you might as well give it away. It, yeah? And so what if we started receiving and dedicated ourselves to reflecting, I wonder what would start happening in our marriages, our families, in our lives. I wonder what would start happening at work when you're, you received in the morning, you got sent out 
that morning, full of, now you're full of grace and truth, now you go into the office and you start reflecting it everywhere. But you make a conscious effort to lead with grace, not truth. So your boss is no longer an idiot, he's a recipient of grace. So your teacher's no longer this, he or she is now a recipient of grace. No longer can we dehumanize anyone, they now have a name and a face and a family. How many of you have ever, uh, uh, first of the year, you, you make this big commitment to start working out again? Who's ever done that? Okay. So you, you go after it again, and be, uh, the way I'm wired, I don't pace myself at all. I just go after it. And so your first workout, you're like, yeah, I'm going to get swole. I'm going to get this thing back. <laughs> and then... Two days later, you're so sore. You're like, man, that was just a bad idea. I'm just gonna go walk and pray. You turn it into something spiritual. I'll get my cardio by walking with Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Mm. But if you get over the pain, when you work through the soreness and you get on the other side of it, it's funny when you look in the mirror. Even though it's been one week, nothing's really happened, but you start seeing something in the mirror. Maybe God just brought a shadow that morning or changed the lighting. But you get tricked, like your mind goes, dude, I'm getting swolled up again. I can see my top ab again. This is crazy. Because it's one thing to receive, it's another thing to reflect. And when it starts happening, when you start seeing how you start reflecting and how it starts impacting people, all of a sudden you, you look different in this lighting. You're this yoked up, jacked up Christian, just walking around all swollen in the spirit. <laughs> Carrying that air luggage in the spirit. over to Luke 13 and then we're going to pray. Ingredients to growth, grace and truth are huge. Do you guys understand it? Let's get full of both. Don't try to balance them. Just stay full of both of them. Lead with grace. You're going to be fine. If you find yourself leading with truth, Something's going on inside of you. You need to go back to the Father and get filled with grace. If all you're doing is excusing your sin, you find yourself, you ever had those moments where you find yourself messing up and you don't not quite as convicted as you were last year? That's a sign you need to go back to the Father for some truth. Because you're starting to walk in deception and license 
and sin is no big deal. When sin doesn't become a big deal, I always tell people when I'm counseling them, man, especially when they come in and they're conflicted, I'm like, can I just stop you right now? I am so grateful that you are at war right now because the proof that you're struggling tells me you're still pursuing. See, if you're not struggling with your sin and your areas of deception, there's something off in your walk with Jesus, and I'm not here to correct you. I'm here to send you back to Jesus because you got to get some more truth. Luke 13, he says, the parable of the barren fig tree, the uh, man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Here's the deal, guys. John 15, Jesus said, my father's glorified by one thing, fruit production. He's glorified by other stuff, but he said, Jesus said, you're my friend because you're my friend. You hang out with me. You're becoming more like me. My father in heaven is glorified when you produce a lot of fruit. So produce as much good fruit as you can. People are going to know you're my disciples by how you love each other. And so start with love for each other, and let's start receiving and reflecting. Let's start bearing fruit because the Father is going to come. He comes at every point in our lives. He comes at different times, and he inspects the tree that looks real leafy. But he gets a little bit closer. See, a fig tree is supposed to start producing fruit after three years. There's a three-year grace period. But at some point, the, the owner of the vineyard comes and goes, hey, why is this thing even here? I've come for three years seeking fruit. I can't find any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? It's just a waste. That sounds kind of harsh. But again, truth without the understanding of who Christ is and grace I would argue this is how most people deal with their weakness. There's no fruit. They just start cutting on themselves. They start going, man, this is a waste. This whole God thing, just a waste. I'm no different than I was three months ago. Man, let's just cut it down. Let's just start something else. But aren't you glad for the the vine dresser, aren't you glad for Jesus? And he says, whoa, 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 whoa. Next verse. Let it alone this year too. See, Jesus is confident that if you will just let him dig a little bit more, he's like, let me dig around. That's truth. See, truth pokes at you. Truth does a work of digging that every one of us needs. But then he says, let me put some fertilizer on it. See, if you, if you, it's, it's like your lawn. If you aerate your lawn, you've got a greater potential for a good lawn. Does anybody else hate when people drive over your edge? I cannot stand it. I work on this edge, I get it all built up, and one of my kids backs over it. Anyway, so if you aerate, it has greater potential for the fertilizer. See, truth allows, if you let God poke around a little bit, it, it opens up the, the capacity to receive grace, which is the manure. Man, grace is like manure. It, it, it covers, 
It helps with growth. It helps mature. But you got to have both. And so the three ingredients that we need in all of our lives to be better reflectors of God's image, the keys to transformation are real simple. Grace, truth, and this third one we see here, time. Time's on your side. Because God doesn't live inside of time. Those 20 years you thought you wasted, he has no capacity to even think about 20 years. All he sees is now. So when you bring up your past, he's like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't compute with him. He doesn't live by the boundary of time. Now, the enemy's on the clock. It's, it's counting down. I love that. But your countdown clock is proof that God's not done with you. The enemy's countdown clock is he's about to be dealt with. The countdown clock for you is time's on my side. I got one more year. Jesus, go ahead and dig around, fertilize, do whatever you need to do because I want to be a fruit-producing man or woman of God. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.